0: Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. 1
1: Corinthians chapter 4 from the New King James Version, and here's what it says. The Apostle Paul said, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ, the anointed one, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Let's just stop there for a moment. Paul said, let a man consider us. Well, you remember back in the first chapter, it wasn't just Paul writing this. He said, uh, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. So Paul and Sosthenes are writing this. In others, he would cite other people, not every single Uh, letter that he wrote, but others he would name others, including Sosthenes or Timothy. Others would be writing along with him. We generally give the authorship uh, reward uh, or uh, attribution to Paul, but nonetheless, it's other people. But notice he's talking here, writing from him and Sosthenes, and he said, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ And stewards, stewards of the mysteries of God. What does that mean, stewards? In other words, these mysteries don't belong to us. We're not the ones who came up with these mysteries of these truths, these revelations. These are not ours. These are God's. The Lord has opened our eyes to them, Paul is saying. And now we're stewards. We're serving God, but we're stewards. These are mysteries of God. In other words, Paul's saying, if I was never born, these mysteries These truths, these revelations that I'm teaching, they'd still be true. They're still life-changing. They're still eternal in God. God is still wanting to make them known, even if I was not in the picture. So he's saying, consider us, those of us teaching you, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In other words, the Lord has revealed these things to us for the purpose of us (laughs) delivering them to you, stewarding them to you. So he said, don't look at us as the authors. Don't look at us as anything all that special. We're just stewards. God gave us the supply of revelation and we're just dishing it out to you. Freely you've received, freely give. And so verse two, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. It is required in stewards that one be found faithful. So Paul's saying, And because I am a steward and Sosthenes and others who teach the word of God and receive these revelations and mysteries from God through the Old Testament scripture, he said, it is required that stewards be found faithful. In other words, we are assigned to deliver these accurately, precisely. We must be faithful to deliver them and to deliver them the way that we receive them from God. It's required that we be faithful. Verse 3, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself for I know nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. So notice he said, he said, look, there, there are people who criticize me. There are people who judge me. There are people who say, oh, he's not a good teacher. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Those revelations are not true. Those are not from God, et cetera, et cetera. He said, but let me tell you what I've had to do. Let me remind you, Paul is writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying that everything that Paul ever said was inspired. I'm not saying everything Paul ever wrote was inspired. But these ones that were captured in the scripture here, these have been proven over the years to be the word of God. God has helped to discern which writings were his word. And all these years, they've stood the test of time that they don't contradict the rest of the Bible, that they're speaking the truth. They're, they're authoritative. They have the, the breath of God on them. You sense it when you read the text. And so Paul is saying here, look, a lot of people can judge me. He said, but... I count that a very small thing. Why? Because these are human minds with human brains. They they don't have the ability to judge. They, They would not have the perspective that God has to be able to judge whether or not I'm stewarding the mysteries the way the Holy Spirit gave them to me. The Holy Spirit would be able to judge that. Father God, the Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit would be able to do it. But human beings... He said, so I count it as a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. He said, in fact, I don't even judge myself. He said, tell you the truth, I don't even have the ability myself to judge myself. I'm doing the best I can to deliver these messages as precisely and as accurately as the Holy Spirit has given them to me, has revealed them to me. But if I even try to second guess myself, well, did that did that come out right? I mean, I said it the way that I received it. I said it the best I know, but how do I know if that's up to par? Maybe I didn't receive it correctly. Maybe I didn't receive enough insight to it, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. He said, I don't even judge myself. My intellect does not even have the ability to judge myself. What is he saying? I'm dependent on my born-again spirit and the Holy Spirit down in my spirit, helping me, strengthening me through the fullness of the Spirit to speak words that sometimes my mind can't even fully explain. And yet these words are coming out and I know them to be true. And it's the way God has shown it to me, but I can't prove it with my own intellect. He said, so I don't even judge myself. That's interesting. It almost seems like a cop out. Like I'm just going to say a bunch of words and, and not care whether they're true. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, I don't care. He's not saying, I don't want to be accurate. No, he's just saying, I don't second guess myself and spend much time trying to, uh, judge myself as if uh, as to whether or not I'm doing just the right job. He said, because really my own mind won't catch most of the things that the Spirit of God would catch anyway. He said, so I'm really depending on the Holy Spirit to help me and to direct me and to help me have a sense if I'm off or if I'm missing something, if I need to pray through something a little more. He said, I'm depending on the Holy Spirit. I'm not even judging myself. Verse four, for I know nothing against myself. Yet I'm not justified by this. He's saying, even if I say, yeah, I don't know anything I'm doing wrong. He said, that doesn't justify me either. Why? Because, again, I'm not a good filter. My, my intellect is not up to the standard of God. So even if I say, yeah, I did a great job. Everything's perfect. He said, that doesn't mean it was. See, it's got to be the Lord. So he says, uh, for I know nothing against myself yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. That's He's the one that knows how well I'm doing transferring and relating these truths that God has revealed to me. Verse five, therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. So what he's saying is don't go around being everybody's judge. And there are some people in the body of Christ that think it's their job to go judging all the teachers. Well, you're you're doing this well. You're not doing that well. You are uh, teaching that scripture accurately. You're not teaching that scripture accurately. Your theology is right. Your theology is wrong. Well, of course we want to Make sure that we're not getting off into heresy and dragging people away from Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, salvation by grace through faith, et cetera, et cetera. We want to make sure, but sometimes we get so nitpicky with one another, trying to get everybody to minister and believe according to what we've received. And he said, listen, judge nothing before the time. Because when the Lord comes, he'll both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. So when the Lord comes, he's not only going to judge how well we did in all of our assignments and those of us that are teachers, and I am a teacher. He's not only going to judge how well we communicated precisely, accurately with the spirit of God, the truths that God was saying, but he's also going to reveal the motives, the counsels of the heart. What was behind you teaching that? What was your real motive in saying that? Were you emphasizing a certain part for a selfish purpose, for a personal agenda, or were you really ministering to help the people to be who they're called to be. He said, when the Lord comes, he'll judge not only the job that you did, but the motives, the counsels of the heart. And then each one's praise will come from God. Notice not to God, because God wants to praise those that do a good job. Do you remember the parable Jesus taught at the end of the age that he's gonna say to some, well done, good and faithful servant, but to others, nope, you were not good and faithful See, and so verse six, now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against another. So he's saying, now I'm writing these things figuratively for your sakes that you can, that you may learn in us, not to think beyond what is written. And people speculate. People add to it. They say, you know what he's really saying. You know what he's really thinking. He said, don't go beyond what's written. Don't go beyond what's written. And then he goes on to say, verse 7, for who makes you different or differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? In other words, were you born with extra wisdom that we don't have? Or are we all on the same level in that Until God shows us something, we don't know. So all knowledge and wisdom comes from God. Uh, And so, come from God. And so, and what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? If you are like us, receiving things from the Lord, why do you boast with pride and being haughty as if you were born that way, as if you just came that way? No, you didn't come that way. Everything that's good that we receive comes from God, including our very lives. So he said, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? And verse 8, you are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I could wish you did reign, that we also might reign with you. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. So notice he says, uh, even before we came to teach you and such, he said, what you've already received from God, you're already full, you're already rich, you have already reigned as kings. And then he said... And uh, the way that our lives are as apostles, we're not the ones that are, uh, you know, just way up there, just better than everybody else. He said, no, we're traveling. We give away so much of our livelihood. We intentionally don't take as much money as we could take because, well, we're here to serve. We're not here to take. We're not here to use the gospel to get filthy rich, so to speak. So he said, I think that God has dis- displayed us or presented us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death, for we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. In other words, man, if you look at the whole body of Christ, he said the apostles are the ones that are ridiculed the most. The apostles are the ones that people look down on the most. And you look at him; it's like, man, these guys are rough. Well, we're traveling, we're giving our lives He said, we do not have the cushy life that some people would think we would have as apostles of God. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you're strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. Verse 12, and we labor working with our own hands. Paul was a tent maker. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things until now. So notice he's saying we have sacrificed our life to do our, our lives, to do our ministry. And so we're not here just trying to look good. He said, in fact, we look worse than everybody else because we've just given up any need to try to look good in this world, to try to accomplish or possess all the wealth or the benefits or the esteem or the comfort of this world. He said, we've given that up. And so he said, people revile us and we just bless them back. So we look weak. We look unsuccessful. But he's he's not saying they're unsuccessful. He's just saying that's the way it appears that we, we come across that way. He said, but it's it's because of our heart to fulfill our assignments and not to try to look good to everybody else. Verse 14, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you, for though you have 10,000, you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. So he's saying this, you can have a lot of people come through town and they can be the most eloquent teachers and esteemed and wear the nicest suits and clothes and everything. And they're everybody just thinks they're great. He said, you can have a lot of instructors. He said, but you don't have many fathers because I'm the one who has begotten you in the gospel. He said, that's why. See, a father will sacrifice for the children. Somebody else may come and be their teacher and look like they're sacrificing. But Paul said, a father Will sacrifice a father will give of himself or herself a mother. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. Don't be like those people who are just out to better themselves, but they're not willing to give for their uh, their mentees, the one that they're the ones that they're training and discipling. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. I I sent Timothy so that he could remind you how I live. Humility, servanthood, uh, sacrifice for other people. He said, this is the way I want to model and and train you to live your lives. Now, some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. And I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? So notice he's saying here, He's saying now, some of you, the way you're acting, the way I hear you talking, talking about me, talking about my role as the apostle, uh, uh, as an apostle of the Corinthian church, talking about my lifestyle and such. He said, some of you are talking big stuff. You're talking as if I'm not going to come. You're talking as if I'm going to stay away forever. But he said, if the Lord wills, I am going to come. And when I come, I'm going to come with with power, he said, then I'm gonna know who this is who's talking big, who's spreading these rumors, who's being critical, talking like they're all that, as sometimes the young people used to say some years ago. He said, but we're gonna find out who's all talk and who really has the power of the Holy Spirit behind them. He said, for the kingdom of God, verse 20, is not in word, but in power. So he said, How do you want me to to come? Do you want me to come to have to bring correction and to confront people who are walking this way in pride and arrogance? Or do you want me to come in love and a spirit of gentleness? And he's hoping that they say, no, no, we'll tone it down. Hey, Bob or Harry or Susan or whatever. Hey, you need to get in line because Paul's gonna come and let's not make him correct us. Let's walk the way that he walks in humility and kindness and love and gentleness. He said, and then if you will change your ways to become like I've been to you, then I can come in love. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give.